0: Welcome to Fragments of Blue. Join Grace and Laura each week as they discuss the power of Scripture to guide us through life's complexity into a greater love of God.
1: Welcome back to Fragments of Blue. I'm Grace.
0: And I'm Laura. Today we are going to just do kind of like a quick podcast on some things that we have been finding inspiring. We've done these occasionally and um, we enjoy doing them and we've heard Back positively from you guys that you like these, so we thought we'd just mm-hmm. kind of give this a go. So, Grace, what has been inspiring <laughs> lately? Or or maybe things have been or inspiring has a an inherently positive connotation. Yeah. What if we say what has been motivating on thought my and mic. ideas? Yeah.
1: So I have I have been following <laughs> the Johnny to Amber Heard Grace,
0: we don't admit this trial. on the podcast that <laughs> <But> I
1: have. <laughs> And it's interesting because I think what I've been thinking a lot about with that is just how destructive lies are. Just so destructive. And the intention of some lies isn't necessarily malicious, but how some people have used words to destroy other people. Or even how just like, I guess maybe all in all, I'm thinking about how how words really do matter. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh, yes. I've, <laughs> I've been feeling this one so deeply lately. Well, for the like, last two years, but it's just yeah. intensified every single month for yes. like two years. Yeah. Which mostly has left me feeling desperately discouraged about the way I use my words. <laughs> but I agree yeah. there is something about words that as you use them well or badly you do damage to yourself and to other people in a massive way yeah. and i think i mean there's there's a way in which certain christian traditions i think speak of words in a way that isn't helpful where they talk about you know speaking things into mm-hmm. existence and like claim that thing by speaking it out loud yeah that's not what i'm talking about but i think there is actually something that you do see consistently in scripture where the words you use have a shaping effect on yeah. reality at the level of the way you think So I'm quite convinced that people who lie chronically actually begin to think in a very fuzzy way about reality itself to the point where, like, so Amber heard or whatever, Mm -hmm. it sounded like she did, like, said some lies. I I wouldn't be surprised if she legitimately just didn't think she lied.
1: Yeah, had come to believe them herself. Yeah,
0: or or where things just become vague enough that your expectation of truthfulness for yourself is just not
1: there. right so for example there's a line from the trial i don't know if we should be getting into this or if people are interested but she she says there's this one part where she was supposedly going to donate seven million dollars oh, yes, to two different famous, charities
0: the famous donation yes.
1: <laughs> and she had said on a interview that she had donated seven million dollars and that she'd given it all away but on the stand, when pressed, she said, well, you know, I pledged it. And that's the same. And the lawyer questioning her said, I don't think those two words are the same. And that's, you know, in this courtroom, I'm going to suggest no, they're not. She looks at the, the jury and she says to them, I use pledge and donate synonymously. Now, if she really does, I mean, I think she was lying. <laughs> but if she really does, then there's an issue with how she's already accepted a lie for herself. Because well, pledge does not mean donated.
0: This is why I do think Christians should care very much about words. Yes. And I think this, I think, I mean, this is obviously a silly example to look to. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the Bible says that God spoke things into existence, when mm-hmm. when Jesus is called the word, there should be a very, strong sense when when so much of the ground of our faith um, mm-hmm. is the bible we should have a very strong commitment to words and the and the fact that they actually mean something mm-hmm. and so messing with words being loose with words being casual being flippant with words i think is actually very destructive to our capacity to engage well mm. with the world
1: It's interesting because at the same time as this trial was happening, there's the documentary by Matt Walsh called What is a Woman that came out. And again, here's this thing where we see in the West, people trying to redefine what a woman is. Not successfully. (laughs) Nobody can seem to answer the question in the West. Anywhere else, no problem. But in the West, there's this trouble to define it because they're so scared to define it. Because there's so much pressure now to be, you know, accepting of whatever people's feelings are on a subject or a matter or even a word that you can no longer identify. Oh, this is
0: making me think so many thoughts. So, (laughs) this could go into the things that have been inspiring me lately. One is I've actually been thinking for, I mean, I don't know, like a year or more or something. It's mm-hmm. not like I've gone super deep with this, but it's been a recurring thought, the the nature of definitions and the idea that in order for something to be something, it inherently must not be something else. And so in the LGBTQ community, they see a strong definition or a, or a a concrete definition of the meaning woman to be inherently oppressive. So you, you know, you have Matt Walsh asking someone, what is a woman? And she, and the person that responds, a woman is whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone who has taken like philosophy classes or thought deeply about, or even like shallowly about <laughs> words knows that if something is anything, it is nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. It is
0: nothing. That only by having boundaries does a thing exist at all. And so if you want to be engaging with reality, with real things, you must allow for a vision of reality that doesn't assume that all limits are inherently oppressive, but rather that limits. You you can see, you know how when you have a picture, you have negative and positive, is it called space? Mm -hmm. Negative space? You can look at the negative space around a picture and see it as oppressive (laughs) or you can see it as essential for the picture to be in being itself Mm -hmm. and only if you allow for negative space can you have a picture of a thing (laughs) (laughs) and only when you have boundaries for an object do you have a real object uh a red sphere is only a red sphere if it is not a yellow cube along with millions of other things that it cannot along be along with
1: anything else yes yeah.
0: but but if it's a red sphere then glory hallelujah you have red spheres in the world
1: mm-hmm. right like and you know how to talk about them you can discuss exactly. them because there's a commonality in the way that you can describe it exactly right?
0: exactly so It's a, it's a gift. Like in some, I've been, I've been thinking, oh, the way we think about like gender and words and definitions, rather than seeing these things from the negative perspective, where you Mm -hmm. always are looking at something and seeing the negative space, Mm -hmm. you're not seeing the thing it creates by being there. You're, you're, you're looking at it completely wrong. It's like, you're looking at photographs in the negative. You're like, you're missing the whole point. (laughs) Like in If if there is a like if woman is nothing or is anything woman is nothing but don't we want woman to be a thing? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I've been thinking about, Um, and I think that 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 concept extends to so many different things. But then I also think this extends (laughs) to a book I've been reading called The Art of Narration which is all about, it's more about like an educational idea about teaching kids to narrate back. That is, just tell me back what you heard or Mm -hmm. what you read. And it's extremely difficult, and it's almost never done in education today. And so people, which is, makes perfect sense that people find it so difficult to write because they have such a hard time using words at all to formulate the things that they've heard. And I wonder if these things are not linked. Just, I'm just wondering. That yeah, k- uh,
1: explain a little bit more.
0: When we get sloppy with using words, mm-hmm. it means that everything in our head is fuzzy. And so, this idea yeah. with narration is forcing people to come to grips with the fact that things that what is actually in their head after, say, they've read something mm-hmm. is way more vague, way less concrete, and way less impressive. They've retained <laughs> way less information than they yeah. think they have. And anyway, so, the idea is that. Your grasp on reality, if you do not know how to use words well, is very tenuous. And by learning to use words fluently, specifically, accurately, Mm -hmm. your capacity to engage well with content and ideas improves as well. I mean, obviously, there's tons of educational value, but the idea is you, you are going through life thinking you are gleaning knowledge gleaning Mm -hmm. information learning what the world is but it's a lot of hazy stuff
1: (laughs) there's an interesting thing I learned years ago when I was studying cognitive issues in things in education and it was talking about inner voice and labeling and they made the point in those classes that if we cannot label we cannot hold on to the thing that it is mentally we will lose it. It'll be just really difficult for us to grasp.
0: Think about that in relation to the gender Right. Question.
1: So yeah. they talked about it in, in relation to say, for example, well, they use it, you can use it in every kind of subject that you're teaching, but say that I'm teaching geometry. I need to label a shape and I need to give words and, and language to what that shape is so that we can agree together specifics about it so that it can be replicated. And if we can't agree on it, you know, it's chaos.
0: This makes me think of incarnation. Because what it makes me think is that humans are not made to deal in pure concepts. Mm -hmm. Everything is embodied. Even concepts have to be embodied in language for them to be engaged
1: with it all. And, or think about it linguistically. Like, if I am trying to learn another language, but nobody from that language can give me any true agreed upon definition of what their word is how do i really hold on to that word how do i make it my own because i can't conceive of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so if i'm say that i'm learning or when i was learning hebrew and i was trying to learn the colors if nobody could agree <laughs> that the, the words that i'm using are a specific color or color family I would never have been able to learn those colors. I would be so confused. Yes. Right? You know, what? this is a
0: fabulous topic. This is what's been <laughs> inspiring. This is like all linked up. This makes me think of the book that I've been reading. This is one of those really dorky, weird ones. It's, I think it was a PhD dissertation or something like that by Lisa yeah. Kutris. It's called um, Tolkien's Theology of Beauty. Mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about how Tolkien links word and reality a lot, and that this comes from the theology of the incarnation and mm-hmm. Jesus being the Word made flesh, mm-hmm. and that everyone must, Word becomes action. And when Word becomes action, yeah. then it becomes its true self. It like fully shows itself. Mm-hmm. You show your true being, your true Word when you act out that true word to the end. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is this link between ascertaining the truth, speaking the truth and living it that is very tightly linked and is shown in the Bible to be so and shows itself in in reality, where we see people who who cannot speak the truth well, do not know the truth accurately and cannot live sensibly. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really tightly interwoven. So this is a big encouragement <laughs> that people speak very, be yeah. careful with their words yeah. and be accurate and value language and...
1: And truth in language.
0: Yes, yes. Right? And like, then as a result, look at the Bible mm-hmm. and say... These words are all good. And they unlike matter. any other words out there, these yeah. these are qualitatively different and can so we're going to treat the words in scripture with yeah. a special reverence.
1: Mm-hmm. And knowing that God, God's the one that breathed those out, right? Like he inspired every word of his word. <laughs> and so we can trust that they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And we can, the amazing thing, which is actually really fun about Bible study is going deeper and deeper and looking up, okay, what is the original language? Okay. And what does it mean? Like, what are the nuances of that word? And sometimes you find like, oh, this is so much deeper and more amazing than I realized. Like I've been having fun. In a, I've been doing a, a study on Isaiah and every so often there's some words that we look into and I realize like, oh, there's some really cool things. One of them was a verse that in English um, just talks about God's anger and God's wrath. But the Hebrew that's used talks about him snorting out of his nose and inhaling with a sign. It was talking about how God's God has, oh, what's the specific way of saying it? Basically that his anger, he's put aside his anger in order to show us love and mercy. And I just love that that in the Hebrew, there's this like, real picture image of what that looks like. He's like <sighs> like that kind of out of the nose frustration. But he puts it aside and has this <sighs> that's the picture it gives. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. Because we don't get that in the English. We just kind of get the he's angry and he puts it aside and has mercy and but there's a a visual illustrative part of it that if you read it in the Hebrew you get as well that i think is really fun is it necessary to know that to believe in jesus no <laughs> but i think that that makes for me it makes like bible study kind of more interesting is oh there's there's like pictures and visuals and different ways of looking at things that are kind of interesting and
0: yeah and i think the fact that so much of scripture is poetry yeah. shows that there's also we, we cannot engage with poetry properly if you don't have a high, like if you don't esteem words. Yeah. Because poetry insists on a method of reading. It reveals itself only to a method of reading that allows, that believes in the words. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're really just touching yeah. the surface. Yeah. And so I think if you don't ever develop a deep respect yeah. for words, then... I don't think you'll encounter a lot of scripture as it's as it's meant to be encountered.
1: And I just think like just as kind of a last thing because we're running out of time, unfortunately, is I do think we need to hold fast to certain definitions. So when when the world is uncertain what a woman is, we just say, well, we know (laughs) we know and the Bible talks about it. And and a woman is beyond the sum of her physical parts the Bible gives us even more detail about what a woman is. And I think that that's good. Let's hold on to those things. Let's think about them. But let's not kowtow to a minority that are trying to change language. Do you know what I mean? Oh, this Changing language
0: is trying to change reality. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, like I said, we're out of time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Fragments of Bloom and join us again next time.